Hey, what's up? It's MJ. Let me tell you about a wine region you need to visit. Just over a year ago, I visited Walla Walla Wine Country for the first time, and let me tell you, it was phenomenal. Walla Walla is one of the most fertile agricultural areas in the nation, producing everything from wheat to asparagus, strawberries, and sweet onions, but is there exquisite high-end wines that have put Walla Walla firmly on the map. Wine growing in the region dates back to the 1850s when the first wine grapes were planted by Italian immigrants. Unfortunately, Prohibition wiped out winemaking, and it wasn't until 1974 when Gary Figgins of Leonetti Cellars began planting grapevines. Ten years later, in 1984, the Walla Walla AVA was approved by the federal government, and in 2015, the Rocks District of Milton Freewater was approved by the federal government as a sub-AVA within the Walla Walla AVA. The Rocks District is the only AVA in the country based entirely on soil type. So whether you're into Bordeaux varietals, Italian varietals, or like me, Rhone varietals, Walla Walla has got you covered. Do yourself a favor and book your trip to visit one of the most exciting wine regions in the world. Go to wallawallawine.com for more information. Hey, I'm MJ Taylor, also known as a black wine guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey everybody, what's up? It's your boy MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is the winemaker and viticulturist at Valdemar States, Devyani Gupta. Devyani came to Walla Walla to attend Whitman College. And during her time at Whitman, she worked for Amavi Cellars while finishing her degrees in psychology and Spanish. Uh, she initially had planned to work in research, but she realized that winemaking had become her dream. So in 2016, she left research and enrolled in the Enology and Viticultural Program at Walla Walla Community College. Uh, today, she oversees grape growing and winemaking for the Valdemar family's Pacific Northwest portfolio, focused on premium Chardonnay, Syrah, and Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, Deviani is passionate about making the future landscape of the wine industry more accessible and inclusive and serves on the Washington State Wine Commission's DEI Task Force. Welcome, Deviani. Thanks, MJ. Thanks for being here. Um, this is so cool. Um, so, what wine did you bring? So, I brought our 2020 Walla Walla Cab from mm. Valdemar Estates. Um, I chose this one because we actually purchased the vineyard this wine's from. Uh, end of 2022, so is now our estate vineyard. So it's a very special vineyard for me. Very right on. Uh, once you want me to get a little splishy splash in the glass. Yeah. And um, so Devani and I met at Hospice Daron, um, which was pretty funny. Um, and um, that was that's two years ago now. Yeah. Wow. Can you believe that? It time flies. I know. So. Yeah. Um, so that was two years ago, and. Um, it was one of these weird moments where I, I was like, you know, the black wine guy. I'm the only, usually the only black guy there. 
And so I'm sitting at a table with Devyon, and we're at, we're at a dinner. So two onlys meet each other for the first yeah, time. Yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> and like, what was funny is like, I walk in, and like, and John Albin's at the dinner, and John's like, "Hey, what's up, MJ?" <laughs> Elaine Brown, Elaine Hawkwise is here, and so you know, <laughs> I mean, when I walked in the hospice, Jeb Dunnick was like, "What's up, MJ?" <laughs> so I sit down, and I was like, "Hi, who are you?" I was like, "I'm the black white guy." <laughs> you don't know who I am. I was hurt. <laughs> That was our moment. <laughs> oh my God! When you think you're famous, <laughs> oh, so so glad to, glad to get to sit down and do this with you. So, um, I like to start at the beginning. Where are you from? Portland, Oregon. Okay. And what was it like growing up in Portland, Oregon? Because you know I'm going to do the whole Portlandia thing. That's where oh, my mind goes. There's a lot of truth in that. <laughs> <laughs> that series. We do wait like in lines around the block for brunch. It's true, yeah, and like enthusiastically. But I mean, uh, some of that's changed a little bit in the last couple of years. But uh, no, Portland's a beautiful place to grow up. Lots of parks. Um, mm-hmm. There's like a 10 mile bike loop on the waterfront. So you know, always did that with my family. My my dad and my stepmom loved to bike, so we'd do that all the time. And do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have um, a younger sister who's two years younger than me and mm-hmm. a younger brother who's 11 years younger than me. So he's my, he calls me mini mom. Ah, so I'm, the, I'm yeah. the older sister. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so you and your sister who are close in age, you guys get along? What was it kind of like? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we get along. I think it's like definitely when you're closer in age, there's more of like, you know, your little kids being like, that's my toy. You know? Yeah, right. So you, right. you had that going on because you're right. the old, you're like, like, no, it's my doll. Yeah, exactly. And they're exactly. like, share with your sister. And then in adulthood, it's like, whatever. It's you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, how you been? <laughs> I think many people can relate to that, where it's like you're close in age, you're fighting for stuff, and then you grow up and you're like, yeah, okay, none yeah. of that matters. So, so um, Portland, um, like when we, what were years were you in, like in high school? I'm trying, so I got a, re- a point of reference of so, like the music scene or what kind of was going on. <laughs> so I graduated in 2011. Okay. High school. Okay. Yeah. Wow, look at you! Oh no, a winemaker, head winemaker already. <laughs> oh yeah, so you were full on like. That, I mean, that's, I was watching, I think I started watching Portland and came out a little bit later, but yeah, so you, you saw that whole thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, that they said, we, hey, we can make a TV show out of this stuff. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think everyone, I know I had probably two Keep Portland Weird t-shirts, you know, at that time in high school. I also had blue hair. Um, okay. And uh, played guitar every day, so I was, you know, my Were you in a band? Uh Yes, here and there. You know, it's like you have, like, different bands and um, more just also, like, would, would jam every day. Music is just a really big part of my life, so I just love music. And my dad, you know, he, he plays drums. My younger sister plays bass. So we just, music is always in the house, always going, so we'd always be playing together, too, as a family. Was was music something, um, um, you said your father was into music, so... Um, what did your father do for a living? So he's a software engineer by training okay. and education. So he's a um, he took a job. Well, actually, we should backtrack even more. So my mom, yep. she grew up in uh, Costa Rica. Her family's from Honduras. She moved okay. to the states when she was, um, I believe, eight, and they and grew up in New Orleans. Okay. Meanwhile, other side of the globe, my dad uh, grew up in India and then came here on a full scholarship to go to okay. University of Louisiana Lafayette. He didn't know anything about Louisiana or Lafayette. He just knew he had a scholarship and he was going. So, this is great. <laughs> so he and my mom meet in the International Students Club of all places, and that's, I guess, how I happened. So then my dad took a job 
in uh, Portland, Oregon, for a company, a smaller company at the time called Intel, much bigger company yeah, she's now. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think along the way they realized that he has, uh, you know, he's an engineer who can talk to people. So then he right. went more into more like project management okay. and leadership. And he was at Intel for almost 30 years. Um, but all this is to say, so my dad, you know, engineer at heart, but has an edgy side, right? Plays okay. drums, mm-hmm. you know, like sports cars. Um, but I say cars and music are two things that my dad and I always connected on. We'd go to like this uh, used CD store, mm-hmm. and I remember being like nine years old, and my dad getting me a Beastie Boys album, and it was <laughs> like blasting that in the car on the on the way home. And uh, so yeah, music, all genres, has just been in the helm at all times. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm a music lover too. Same thing. And it was my father. My father was he was more. I mean, he loved music. But he was more into like he was an audiophile. Like he had a really good, you know, like so this is seven. Like he had a Fisher stereo, which was like you know, he would have like the high end. I mean, like he had like this high end. He had all this Bose stuff, and like you know, and this is like in the eighties, you know, seventies. My dad's buying Bose speakers, right? Like no one knew. Like only like an audiophile like would know Bose, right? And now it's like we have Beats by Dr. Dre. <laughs> I am kind of a curmudgeon about, yeah, the sound quality that's just, like, out there. Yeah, and and it's so funny. I I mean, and and the beats are not, they don't have good sound quality. Actually, I mean, it makes Mm -hmm. sense. It's what he did. It amplifies the bass, so it's out of balance, whereas Bose is just trying to deliver the purest, clearest sound. And I I think I watched him and Jim and I, they were on a panel image, they were talking about the camera beats, and he's like, yeah, they they have noise canceling. We have noise enhancing. And I was like, like, yeah, man, but... Do you really love music if you just all you want to hear is the bass? And I love, I wish I played the bass, but yeah, I, I really dig that. And actually, your father got you into music. Oh, yeah. And bought you a Beastie Boys album. Oh, yeah. I know. It's like what nine year old is blasting Beastie Boys in the back, you know, sitting in the back seat, still too young to sit in the front seat. Yeah. You know, playing Beastie Boys with their dad. Yeah. Um, it was, and it was the Beastie Boys are edgy. I mean, you know, I mean. Yeah. I don't know if I would let mine on you. <laughs> it was the Hello Nasty album, which I okay. think is yeah, yeah. was relatively tame. But yeah, 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 but yeah, I think I think <laughs> as they got out when they got away from Def Jam and stopped doing the campy stuff, it was it was real music. I mean, they were revolutionary. Um, you could have said them. You didn't, you didn't like the Beast Boys? Like when I say it was your favorite artist? Like, they didn't even make it. No, I mean... I love music so much is what you're going to say. I've maxed out the number of stations I can have on Pandora. <laughs> <laughs> I just... Yeah. So my team knows this. It's like, if you walk into the cellar and it's like silent, it's like, mm-hmm. I must be like sick or something. Like yeah. something's not right. Like yeah. there's always music, but... Yeah. So we were talking earlier and I asked about your favorite athlete and you said Dame Lillard because you're from Portland and yeah. Trailblazers. Did you play any sports growing up? Volleyball. Okay. Yeah, so I played competitive volleyball pretty much uh, eighth grade through um, a little bit in college. But oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and I played club, which is on a traveling national team, um, kind of outside of regular season. Oh, look at so you. I'm five foot nine. I had to... Yeah, no, I know. I was, I, it just <laughs> popped into my head. I was like, did she play sports? Yeah. Yeah. And volleyball, that's cool. Yeah. I know everyone thinks I've played basketball. I'm actually pretty useless at basketball. I'm good at blocking, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> uh, so what was that like traveling around? Like, so you were on a traveling team. So that's, because I think, I know travel gives you a different perspective at a young age. So you were traveling around to play sports. What was that? What was that? What do you think that did for you? I think it was kind of like orchestrated chaos. I okay. think it was good at just kind of like being flexible, like plans change, flight, you miss a flight. 
okay, you land in Denver, have to acclimate to, like, an altitude change and go straight, like, get off the plane, change at the airport, go straight into practice because mm. your flight was late. Like, just kind of being more just flexible and um, and also just, like, the team component. Mm. You know, there was always, like, people that maybe at first in the beginning of the season you're like, oh, man, this person rubs me the wrong way. And by the end of the season, like, you guys are just killing it. And you're like one well-oiled machine. Even if you have like your personal differences, it doesn't matter. You gotta get gotta get the job you done. Gotta win. So yeah. gotta win. Support each other to just be better. So I think that was a really good lesson from sports. Fantastic. So you graduate and um, you went to Whitman, which is one of the best liberal arts colleges in, in the country. I'm just curious, where else did you apply? So, uh, it was kind of a rude awakening when I went to go apply for college. These applications are expensive. Yeah, 85 bucks a pop. Well, so, and this would have been, you know, 2011. I remember, like, $200 just for your in-state school as a resident. Oh, my goodness. So, it was $200 for U of O. I think, like, UBC was 400 and I forget, like, Whitman was probably somewhere in there. And so, yeah, I applied to three schools. Uh, basically, uh-huh. a huge kind of research university, mm-hmm. had the state school, and then I really wanted to go to Whitman because they're a smaller arts college that actually does research. And um, obviously was hoping, and uh, I didn't really know much about Walla Walla. Mm-hmm. I'd only visited Whitman once, but um, I got a scholarship and was pretty much like, let's go see about this place called Walla Walla. It's so, happening. Kind of yeah. like your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I got a scholarship. <laughs> School's looking pretty good. Yeah, I'm like, sounds great. I remember I visited Tudor's like 17 degrees in January, and I was like, this will be awesome. <laughs> because it doesn't get that cold in Portland. It's wet. No. But it doesn't get like... No, we had like 17 degrees in freezing fog, and I was like, can't wait. Can't wait. See you in August. Yeah. And um, what's it like, what was it like for you um, to move from a city to a valley. Yeah, you know, I think it, there were definitely initially some culture shocks, but I think I'm someone who, I don't tend to do like a lot of shopping. So for me, I think the perks have definitely outweighed it. Like, I don't really feel like I'm missing much anymore. Um, You know, the city element, I do love that it's like the diversity of people right. and just kind of the, the also the different things that you can find mm-hmm. um, just in any given block. But I'd say Walla Walla, I think what far outweighs anything is just how like friendly the community is here. And I felt that definitely not just as a student, but as a student that was working off campus mm-hmm. and um, get kind of getting out of the college bubble. And that's also then how you know you can't like not notice the wine industry around you once you're in Walla Walla. So as a student. I uh, definitely noticed that work being done uh, and started to kind of wonder, okay, how does one get involved with this thing called wine? So mm-hmm. I, literally the week I turned 21, I remember I was sending out resumes and just like stopping at every tasting room. Uh, the week before I turned 21, I was like, okay, I, I can legally serve wine in 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> Would you hire me? And they're like, I think five people were like, no. <laughs> and finally... Um, Actually, Waterbrook said yes, and then that was kind of what initially was where I got bit by the bug, and then I went to Amavie Cellars shortly mm-hmm. thereafter, and then totally fell head over heels and started to see all the work that goes into a bottle of wine and, and just fell in love with that and wanted to figure out how I could do that. Um, but it was an interesting time because at that point I was a junior in college, and I had pretty much the next eight years of my life planned out where I was like, okay, I'm going to go into research. Mm-hmm. 
you, you know, after you graduate, you apply for a research internship at any of these R1 universities, you do your internship, you work for two years, and you apply to one of these grad schools, and you do your postdoc, and then eventually someday, you know, become a professor and do your own research and teach students. And uh, then I kind of get T-boned by this, like, thing called wine, and, <laughs> and I just realized, like, who I was also doing research, you know, they're going to say, like, advice to your younger self yeah. is to lighten up. Yeah. Um, I think I made type A look lazy when I was <laughs> in college and, you know, uh, double major working on honors theses, which are, like, they're bound in my house. Like, one of them's over 120 pages long. It's so, like, that's, like, who I was. And No wonder you haven't read a book since college. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a, well, it's like. I realized I have read one, but it's like so lame. It was a dog training book. <laughs> oh my god! I, I, I'm okay. I'm fine with that. I thought you were gonna say it was one of the Twilight books. I no, like, no, oh, good lord. It's like Gossip Girl. Yes. Like, no dog training, but but yeah. So that's where I was, and then I found wine, and I just like it was just like unlike anything I'd ever felt. I felt like wine just really. I felt just so alive. Yeah. Um, right on. So. You were majoring in psychology. You got double major psychology in Spanish. Yeah. What were you going to do research? Like, what's re- like, what's so cognitive psychology? So okay. basically, um, and looking at also more, uh, I had a passion more for like dementia. Okay. And uh, memory care. So was there a particular reason why that was? You know, I just a lot of people it... find someone in their family. I'm going to fix the world. Or it wasn't, you know, fortunately not in my family, Good. but just, um, I, I just think it's a really fascinating field of research where there is such a need for more research mm-hmm. um, to just keep happening. And also for managing, um, I did an internship when I was in college in a uh, neuropsych department at uh, Harborview. And, um, you know, working with the patients and also just being the one also then, not just with the patient, but working with whoever their caregiver is mm-hmm. who's at that meeting. Mm-hmm. I think that there was something just very rewarding about the research being done, but also the work it is to kind of really care for a person, but also their whole family ecosystem. Yeah, um, got it. I love that. I just think cognition is also just super fascinating, like how basically information becomes a memory, uh, whether if you're looking at infants or, or the elderly. Information becomes a memory. Let's go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, I love it. No. I, I was a super nerd. No, it's fine. Yeah. No, I, I mean, then, I, and I, then wine was even bigger. Yeah. So, so I'm an even deeper nerd for this. Yeah. yeah but so. I mean, I think I know what you're saying with that. But like, what is that? What, like, we take in information, mm-hmm. and then it goes into our brain into like a little file cabinet, or um, what? Like. Well, and then there's one step in the process there. It's attention. So okay. it's like attention being like almost like the filter, like the mesh screen for that information and also looking at things like um, things that prevent you from paying attention, like being overly stimulated, like high anxiety mm-hmm. and also being bored. So it's uh, um, when I was in college, I worked a lot with students and elementary students, especially okay. mm-hmm. in the bilingual classes. And so just looking at attention is like that cornerstone for being able to actually relay information and make those jumps and leaps um, and looking at almost like managing attention more than managing information uh, was something that was really fascinating and something that we were working with in our schools because a lot of times um, as a paraeducator you're working with either breakout small groups Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes you're working with one-on-one where a student is really behind Mm -hmm. and really needs to make some big jumps. I love it. That's very cool. Um, So 
your dad worked for this little company called Intel. <laughs> He's an engineer. You, you, hey, I majored in psychology and Spanish. That must have been fun, even that part. Oh, that was, yeah. That, I was like the delinquent of the family because, <laughs> you know, um, and my mom also is an architect. She's a general engineer for the VA in Walla Walla. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, so you have to think about my family and especially on my dad's side, mm-hmm. you know, traditional Indian mm-hmm. background. It's like there are guaranteed avenues of success. That's what I'd say. It's more than just being traditional. There are guaranteed avenues of success for your kid, and those are being a doctor, a lawyer, maybe going into, you know, tech yeah. or I guess uh, some kind of corporate business yeah. but uh, so b- I was going to be the delinquent in my family because I wanted to be a, a professor yeah <laughs> you slacker yeah and then winemaker was like what yeah so 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 yeah so then like all right they swallowed that bitter pill <laughs> it was I think like for my mom she saw it coming because um, you know I'd moved to Seattle and so she saw me a lot more than my than my dad did at that time. Um, and I was working at my research job at the UW, which was like a really so you did take a research job, yeah. After you graduated, and it okay. was and I and kept it was in working, Seattle. yeah. And okay. I kept working weekends at Amavi and Pepper Bridge's tasting room in Woodinville, okay. just to kind of like hang on to that little glimpse of my like wine dream. Because mm-hmm. at that point, I knew I was going to make wine. I just didn't know when. And I'd met students in the wine program that this was their second or third career. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I continue on this path. And um, so I finished my degree, went to UW. I still had the path in route, you know, applications mm-hmm. in process, going out, you know, grad school was the next step. And uh, I just had this, like, moment and you know, where I realized that I was working on this really meaningful project. It, it was... Um, uh, we worked with ch- young children with autism, infants and toddlers, and it was early identification intervention research and, you know, really meaningful stuff. And I realized, like, I just miss wine every day. And I had kind of this, like, moment where I realized I don't want to make wine when I'm 40. I want to make wine now. And I finished my contract, withdrew my apps to grad school, applied to the Enology and Viticulture program here instead, and then broke the news to my dad on Thanksgiving. Oh, nice. <laughs> right, so Thanksgiving. <laughs> Yeah, they come in, oh, everybody's there. Yeah. I mean, all the drinks yeah. are flowing. Thanksgiving 2015, and then enrolled in the program 2016. And it was, you know, my dad at first was like, you know, it, it just didn't compute where it's like, whoa, you're on this path, things are going great. Um, you know, why don't you just stay the course and do wine later? And uh, and also, it's, I think for a parent, it's like you don't know the industry necessarily, so it's like, how do you know your kid will be successful? Sure. I think in his mind, he's like, you're going to be homeless and without money in six months. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> if you want to make wine in Washington State, you must be wanting to live in a van down by the river. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. It was like, you're gonna, like, how do you know this will work? Like, what if this doesn't work? And I just said, I, don't, I, I actually don't have an answer for that. I'm just gonna work my tail off and hope for the best. And uh, so I enrolled in the program, and then 2016 goes on record in my life as the year of nine W twos, like nine tax returns. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> It was wild, but it worked. You had you had nine jobs. <laughs> what are In the nine? What, what are the nine jobs? So okay, so we've got you know I'm a V Woodenville. Yep. I've got my research job. Yep. Okay, I come to Walla Walla. I'm working for College Cellars, um, tasting room for G Cunio. Um, I'm working night shift waiting or uh, waiting tables at T Max. So <laughs> had some fine dining. I mean, it works with your class schedule. Yep. Um, bottling line for Artifacts. Bottling line for Dunham. 
Oh my goodness, who am I forgetting? See, information just, becomes oh, a memory. Pack out for uh, pack out for Nicole. Corporate pack out. Ding ding ding. Wait. And eight. she and she made all of seventeen thousand five hundred dollars that year. Oh, it was still pitiful. <laughs> I still like. I still think I was in the bottom of the tax bracket. <laughs> but the government's like, take the money back. Yeah, they're like, they're like oh, you poor. Yeah, like, yeah, that's so. Funny. And I still might be forgetting one or two. It's like it was just a while, but I just remember like adding up and doing my taxes that year and seeing nine, and I was just like, what on earth? That I think it took me longer to like file those taxes than I don't know than to move here. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was you know it was some really good advice from other uh, alumni of the program that mm-hmm. they just said you know you got to keep in mind wine is seasonal mm-hmm. on the tasting room side and in the winery side. Mm-hmm. You will be laid off from all your jobs by mid-December. Merry mm. Christmas. And then <laughs> tuition is due mid-January. Okay. So, you know, just be ready for that. So there's uh, just stashing acorns. and Nice. Yeah. Um, so. Oh, Walla Walla Public Schools. That was a nice one. There you go. Were you um, paraprofessional? Uh, or just sub? So, um, no, so paraprofessional. So um, would go in. There's an AVID program in the high schools. It's uh, They take first-generation working-class students. where mm. They're going to be the first... Um, of their family to go to college and it's kind of this uh, focused class where it's just college preparedness and getting these students that are really motivated to level up and get the skills that mm-hmm. they need and so I worked with a lot of juniors and seniors so I was reviewing college applications helping them write scholarship essays it was just super rewarding but nice yeah that's really I stay, cool I stay in touch with a few of my students too and they're, they're doing great so that's awesome yeah can they drink yet uh yes a few of them can yeah, they, they've come to the library I'm so sure <laughs> That's got to be wild. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, but that's great. That's great. To, like, really having an impact on someone's life. That's wonderful. Um, so, the talk about the, the, the community college, because it's really, for me, well, we don't, I mean, okay. People make wine in New Jersey, but, and actually now Rutgers has some certificate program. But, like, I've met so many people in my visits here, like that's who were like you, just come from a different career, pivot, and then they go to this school, and now you're making kick-ass wine, like with an associate's degree. But but what what? Yeah. I mean, it's it's why why did you go here? Obviously, you were you went to school here, but but you know you're you're kind of big time. I guess. But why did you go to Davis? Like, I mean, you know. Well, I guess it was kind of twofold. Actually, no. Okay, there's three things. So I think after, again, you have to think of just super student me. Yeah. Four years of that, totally getting burned out. And I was like, I don't want to read a textbook about how to make wine. Got it. I really want a program where my first day, and it was my first day, I was like, I want to be working on the skills I lack, which is like, I don't have pump skills. I don't have barrel work skills. I, I don't know what fitting goes where. I need basically someone to just sick me on the job in a kind of learning environment where that's day one of classes. It's like, okay, go do the work and then clean up, you mm-hmm. know? And that was exactly what the Wall Wall Community College program was. And I remember my first day of school, we were pressing Pinot Noir for sparkling base, and then, yeah, spent three hours cleaning the crush pad. It was like 45 minutes of action, <laughs> last standing and waiting, and three hours of cleaning, and it was exactly what I was looking for, is um, trying to make that crossover from retail hospitality, mm-hmm. being my only wine experience, mm-hmm. to, okay, now, how do I do this? How do I make this wine? And um, But the third part, I think most important, was 
I knew that I wanted to make wine in Walla Walla. Okay. And Got it was it. a lot of it was because of the community I had met and just kind of the the way people are here. Like there are so many doors that opened for me that I was like, I don't deserve that. Like, I don't deserve someone sticking their neck out for me, helping me, you mm-hmm. know, secure an internship or helping helping me figure out what's the next best path forward and you know one of those people in particular who was um i call him my godfather but uh you know working at amavia i became very close with norma kibben so you know norma remembers there was one day that i called him like right around like dinner time and i was sitting in the parking lot after my amavia job in woodenville and uh i called him and the second he picked up he told me you're calling to tell me you hate your research job. It's not what you thought it would be. You miss Walla Walla. You miss wine. You're moving back. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and I said, wow. I don't know what to do next. You know, like, what do I do next? And, you know, and he just kind of was like, calm me down, like, talked me through it and just, you know, presented all the options, you know, go to the program or go straight into a job. You know, what is that? What does each one look like? And, um, so yeah, pretty much from the jump, I knew Walla Walla is the place for me, just because, like, you know, I'm kind of this 23-year-old nobody. Why are people sticking their neck out to mm-hmm. teach me, mm-hmm. take me under their wing? I think that there's something really special about here that I don't know if it would have gone that way for me somewhere else. Yeah, that's that's so that's so cool. That's so funny. He just read the... That's, that's, that's like I've seen it on a movie, right? Like, <laughs> no, no, hi, how are you? It was just, boom, yeah. you're calling you, tell me you're miserable. <laughs> coming home that's so yeah. great and also he said home too that was yeah. everything it's i think wow. he knew it's like in my heart it's yeah. like i need to go home yeah, yeah. that's really cool yeah. um and, I, and it just i was thinking like i don't know well i'm sure they do but like you didn't come here for wine but was it what tell me about your family was there wine on the table oh yeah growing up oh yeah yeah so my dad you know um it's so funny. I remember I asked him how he became passionate about wine. I expected some like romantic story of he was sitting on some hilltop town in Italy with my mom and fell in love with wine and was like, for for here and ever, I will collect wine. <laughs> That's not what happened. What happened was like corporate tech, when he was promoted into those roles of being now like a project lead, a project mm-hmm. manager, you're having to take clients out. He was like, I'm going to embarrass myself because I don't know what to order on the wine list. Mm-hmm. So that's how it happened. That's how it started. Mm-hmm. And then kind of corporate survival turned into actually like a real passion and starting to collect. And, um, you know, my dad had uh, Columbia, uh, LaCole's Columbia Valley Cabernet at his wedding with my stepmom. So, okay. You know, when I was when I was 10. Yeah. And uh, but he had LaCole, Old Woodward Canyon, um, he had a lot of Willamette Valley Pinot Noir and a couple Sonoma producers as well. And he also loves um, Barolo. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of Nebbiolo from Italy on the table. And um, But when I was little, I would start bothering him for, like, to taste the wine. And uh, just don't call CPS or anything. But, like, you know, <laughs> like, like it was, like, starting at, like, six, I think. Um, he made a deal with me because I was pestering him so much. He was like, if you can describe three things this wine smells like you can get one sip and so I kept earning my sips and uh so maybe it's not so surprising yeah I mean it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of uh pretty um yeah it it, it, it's it it, you were kind of tracking for it that you wanted that you wanted to taste wine at at six years old yeah um and 
you know, I had a um, what I had on Dan Petrosky was on a while back. He uh, Massacon wine, white wines. He was a winemaker for Lark Mead. Um, similar how he got into wine. It was because he worked on Wall Street and had to take clients out, and you know. You know, you have the, you know, you start just by ordering the Camus or whatever, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, the silver oak, but then like he got into it and he's like, I want to learn about wine. Did your dad do any wine education? Like, did he buy any books? Did he have like, you know, Oz Clark or Kevin Drilly or did he just tasted his way to collectorism? <clears throat> I'm not sure, actually. I'd have to, I'd have to ask him about that, but I know like, but he would, you know, he had his guy, Ken at QFC who's no longer at the QFC buyer house okay. but this QFC had like an excellent wine selection but Ken would like order stuff from my dad Okay. and so he'd be like okay I'm going to get three bottles of each of these I think you'll like them mm-hmm. and so I think my dad just started going down that path of like I mean, he is in general he has an amazing palate and knows like mm-hmm. he can tell if you're like burning oil from like the next zip code like <laughs> <laughs> I totally got my intensity from my dad yeah, too, so yeah. it's you know you know it was funny together because yeah, but he seriously he'll be like on like way upstairs like several rooms over, and before you can really smell it, he's like the oil's too hot. <laughs> <laughs> you hear him shout down from the stairs. So yeah, my dad's just you know I think all things food and wine, he's just you know very very gifted with that. Yeah, there was a uh, was was um, gourmet meals in the house too. Like what type oh, of yeah. Well, my parents, they are really good cooks. So, but like, because my mom grew up in New Orleans, but mm-hmm. has, you know, a Spanish and Central American yep. background. And my dad's from India, um, but they love to travel. I mean, there was literally every type of cuisine in our house any given night of the week. And to our dear neighbors, Steve and Elena, they are, um, we basically share a backyard. There's a fence between our houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Elena and Steve are from Greece. Okay. So we'd always have like these crazy mashups of like. Wow joint uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners where there's like a full Greek spread, there's some Indian lamb, and there's like traditional traditional fare as well. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, food I think is a big part of our, our family culture. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, you know what, we can take a, let's take a quick break right now, and we're going to uh, be right back. More Deviani, food, wine, and stuff. <laughs> so we'll be right back. <laughs> Did you know that I've been to Walla Walla, Washington three times in the past year? I had the honor of doing a live podcast out there last November. Then I was invited back to be the keynote speaker at the Walla Walla Wine Alliance annual Celebrate Merlot Festival in July. And I was recently there for the first annual Grenache Fest. Guess what? I'll be back in April of 2024 because for the first time ever, Hospice to Rhone will take place outside of the central coast of California and will be held at various locations in downtown Walla Walla. These are exciting times for what is still an under-the-radar wine region. With events like these, it won't be long before the world comes knocking. Do yourself a favor and visit this gem of a wine region before the word gets out. Go to wallawallawine.com for more information and begin planning your trip today. Okay, we're back. Um, so we were just talking about big backyard feasts. Um, and oh, I'm going to need a sound guy. There's a helicopter going by. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so 2016, that was the year. First day was all that you wanted it to be. Um, does this program 
set you up with internships or encourage internships? Required. Required. Okay. Yeah. So what was your first internship while you were in the program? Uh, so I was super fortunate because I think, uh, you know, Valdemar family is, you know, obviously an amazing family to work for and they're, you know, they're my home now, but mm. I was very, very lucky. There's another family in my life that uh, I think really changed my life wine-wise, um, and that's the Figgins family. Okay. So as a part of my internship with the program, I did harvest with Figgins, Toil, Leonetti, so they're, they're suite of brands. So um, yeah, for people who aren't familiar with Walla Walla Wines, talk about uh, the yeah. Figgins. Yeah, so Figgins family, they, um, so you know, Gary and Nancy started the first bonded winery in Walla Walla Valley, um, and you know, Leonetti is uh, pretty much exclusively direct to club mm -hmm. um, allocation only. Love that Sangiovese. Yes, yeah, and uh, the Alianico though is. Uh, I have never had the Alianico. What? That's my favorite what? wine. Okay. And I think okay, I don't know if Chris could assign a favorite, but I know it's probably up there because yeah. it's just it's different and a um, some of it's Asian M4O. But I'm a black wine guy. You gotta try. He should hook me up. Yeah. Call him. Yeah, call him. <laughs> yes, and Chris, go over here. Yeah, hey, Chris, hey, black wine guy wants your uh, Alianico. I need some Alianico yeah. and uh, yeah. lamb chops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we not make that happen? <laughs> but, uh, but in all seriousness, so, um, you know, like I, I told you, I was waiting tables at T-Max, yep. and uh, one really slow Thursday, there's this lovely couple in my section, and they're asking me about, you know, why the move to Walla, back to Walla Walla and the program, and, um, you know, why I want to make wine. And, you know, I'd been thinking about where I want to do my internship because that was, you know, eight months mm -hmm. later. But um, anyways, I, I meet this couple and they're asking me these questions and lo and behold, it's Gary and Nancy Figgins. Wow. Just casually having a date. Yeah. And taking time out of their date to ask this student, you know, what do you want to do? And have you thought about where you're going to do your internship? And anyways, they suggested that I send Chris a resume and which was crazy to me because I thought you had, to, you had to be somebody, you had to know somebody, have lots of experience or an in or, you know, why would I apply for that job? It wasn't, it would have been on a dream list, but not even a thought that I had thought because it was like, that, that's not for me, that's for someone else. And, uh, but they suggested that and I sent my resume in the next day and I go on record as the earliest harvest applicant they've ever had because they just like, <laughs> You're an overachiever. <laughs> you just can't stop yourself. No, and, then Chris, and then Chris was like, who is this kid? Like, <laughs> November for the next harvest and he's like what so anyways I, I did harvest with them and they were such an amazing family to work for and Chris is such an amazing winemaker to work for and and um, his, his winemaker Ramon Valverde as well it's just you know they taught me so much and um, I did harvest with them in 2017 and then I came back to do um, harvest 2018 and in the vineyard and in the cellar I worked on off for mm -hmm. the family and because they also have Seven Hills Vineyard mm -hmm. which is managed by Sadie Jury and North Slope Management so I worked for basically Figgins family in a nutshell for about two and a half years in the vineyard and the cellar and um, they really you know they took me under their wing they helped me pay for school it's just an incredible family I can't say enough about them yeah Let's get a little wine geeky because this I know this is where you definitely shine. Um, <laughs> explain to me or to people who may not know um, what a vineyard management uh, company is because yeah. you know I think I know I don't know but at some point I'm sure when I was starting wine I was like oh the winemaker does everything but no like even if you have a great winemaker there's 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 different teams. Kind Absolutely. Of, kind of break that down for us. Absolutely. I'm going to call and you doctor because you would have had a patient. Break that down for us, doctor. 
Dr. Gupta. Yeah, Dr. Gupta. Oh, my God. Um, See, that's got a ring to it, right? It Dr. Sanjay to. Gupta. Like, you guys, like, you know. <laughs> so, um, okay, I guess the best way to break it down is also you have two different busy seasons. So, okay. you know, the vineyard, all of that work is happening, you know, in pruning. So we have, like, early February, mm-hmm. uh, this crazy season in May when you're trying to get your sprays on and deal with, you know, powdery mildew and... Um, mm-hmm setting up for the season you're shoot thinning like crazy you know may i think is the toughest month i don't call any growers during may i will talk to them in april and june and Mm -hmm. leave them alone in may um but you know in all that work all of that's happening to kind of lead to this final focal point which is harvest so it's the actual care of you know managing the canopy setting you know the crop load taking care of the fruit exposing the fruit but not too much and um all the work that goes behind that and it takes a lot of people, a lot of hours, and a lot of equipment. So, a f- I guess a vineyard management company, that is, and what Sadie does is basically on this stretch called Savane, there's mm-hmm. over a dozen vineyards up there of all different sizes. And so she farms um, at least half of them. And it's almost about 400 acres that she manages, but it could be for a client that has like six acres planted, mm-hmm. or it could be, you know, the almost 100 at Seven Hills Vineyard. Um, our estate vineyard is 21 acres. She manages that for us. Um, but, you know, basically her crew kind of spreads out and tackles these different, um, these different sites. So for me, um, I was her vineyard intern the first season, and then I was her um, vineyard technician or assistant the, the second year. And I learned so much from Sadie because um, the whole time I wanted to grow grapes and make wine. And mm-hmm. it's very hard to find positions where you can do both mm-hmm. um, because of all of the work that goes around yep. that. Yep. And uh, so working, I guess, in the vineyard during the busy season for them and then in the cellar for Figgins family's busy season, that uh, that was kind of my way of hacking that for a few years there. And I learned a ton. And so... You you went to work for her when you graduated. Uh, Actually, no, while no. I was a student. While I was a student, yeah. okay. And then, are you are you telling me that like that was where you worked, and then Valdemar came to town? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of wild. Man, you got like a rainbow of horseshoes over your head. <laughs> it's it's walla walla. Um, yeah, yeah. It's... Okay, so then all right, so. <clears throat> talk about for Valdemar some of you may know Conde de Valdemar they're a Spanish wine family so um, and do they have anything do they have anything in California their, their presence is no okay. it's uh, I'm there Torres yeah, 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 yeah. Ramar Torres and yeah there's uh, some yeah. different Spanish family. okay so you have to talk about Conde de Valdemar because that is they're, they're centuries old right like, yeah, yes yeah. yes it's a <laughs> Um, Like a winemaking dynasty almost, right? So, you know, I say that Valdemar Estates is the relatively new project for Valdemar family and relatively new because they've been making wine in Rioja since 1889, which is the same year that Washington became a state. So to Mm. kind of put into perspective, Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the family, so now they're in their fifth generation of ownership and Jesus and his sister Ana, they are the fifth generation owners and operators Mm -hmm. of the Valdemar family, I guess, uh, portfolio. So um, they have their winery in Rioja where they produce Conde Valdemar, Bodegas Valdemar, um, but then we have our own winery here in Walla Walla just for Valdemar Estates. Um, much smaller right now. Um, this year I'll bottle about 5,000 cases. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but we just focus on uh, premium fruit throughout you know, Columbia Valley, Red Mountain, but really with a pretty heavy focus on Walla Walla Valley and the Rocks District. So how does someone, because you work for them, so how does someone just like, yeah, because um, you have, your facility is really new. It's a spectacular facility. But like what, it, what, how was the process? Was it, was it Jesus came over? And assist, like who, what was the process for yeah. them? Yeah, so they, um, I, Jesus is telling a story this morning, I just love it. It's, they were working on actually developing a second project um, in Ribera de Duero. Okay. And that was gonna be the new project. And finally, I think they kind of had a come to heart moment where they all just admitted that they weren't that excited about it. And that's when the conversation came should we leave Spain? Like, should we actually go beyond Spain um, for this new project? Jesus studied at the University of Washington. Okay. And so he was familiar with the Pacific Northwest. Okay. And um, so they took, he calls it a family vacation. But I think he had it in his sights the whole time. I want to go to Washington. Okay. And they looked at, you know, California, Oregon, Washington. Mm -hmm. They looked all at the Western Coast. And um, they absolutely fell in love with Walla Walla. And I think, like, he says this, and I just echo this, like, there are so many wonderful places to make world, uh, like world-class wine in the world. You know, you can, there are dozens. But I don't think many of them have the community that we do here. So that is really what brought the family in, is they saw it. I mean, in Rioja, people are more secretive. Mm -hmm. They view each other as competitors. Mm -hmm. um, they were not expecting to be not just, like, brought in and supported by the community, but people to literally offer... Um, like resources to them that would actually compete directly with their sales. Yeah. So, you know, one of those was um, uh, Norm McKibben had that parcel of land that we're on now mm -hmm. right next to Amavi Cellars, and it was not for sale. It was not listed for sale. Um, but on their second trip to the region, they met with Norm. Norm mentioned, I have land that I could parcel off and sell you. They saw it. Within 30 minutes, they were signing a pre-contract in the office at Amavi. So I think just when the family saw this valley, they just were both feet in together. And um, the project went relatively quick, but now this is 2017. They mm -hmm. started to break around 2018. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I'm driving up and down that Milton Freewater Highway 11 mm -hmm. every day going to my vineyard job, and I'm watching this building kind of break out of the earth. and. I had heard rumors that a Spanish family was coming to town, mm -hmm. and I heard that they weren't wanting to make Tempranillo or Spanish wine. They wanted to really make Washington wine. Like they wanted to focus on Pacific Northwest greatness and and plant vineyards. And they needed someone. They needed kind of a jack of all trades, someone who could help them open their tasting room, but also like help outfit their production space, which was completely bare at that time, and uh, you know be on the winemaking team but also uh, help them plant vineyards. And that was exactly what I had been kind of preparing to do for like the last like three years. And um, so I started that conversation with them and said, you know, what do you think? Uh, I would love to come work for you. And um, yeah, in March, 2019, I joined as a second employee for the project. So wow. We were still finishing the drywall in the lab. It was wild. <laughs> it was wild. What was that like for, what were you feeling inside? Like, what were you feeling? It was a crazy mix of emotions because uh, on the one hand, I felt like, you know, I was leaving the Figgins family, it was like leaving home. Yeah. And it was like kind of scary because I was so happy there and I, I love that family. And um, But on the other side, I, I knew that it was like, 
this was where I needed to be, like at the ground floor of a project like this, needing to use all those skills that I had been working on and trying to keep and looking for a place that needed me to use all those skills. So, um, yeah, I, I remember programming the POS at like 11.30 at night the night, day before we opened and uh, yeah, filling out the back end and it's just like just crazy where it was like just so unexpected to really have to use all of those elements. And But, you know, uh, you know, Chris was actually supportive. It was like very bittersweet, but he recognized it's like even in their company, they have a vineyard management team and they yep. have a production team. They don't really overlap. And to have that opportunity to do both is very rare. Yeah. So. Did you call your dad like, ha, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> no, my dad was like, he was, once I was in the program and, yeah. and I didn't run out of money right yeah. away, and, <laughs> you know, I didn't have to call him for money, um, you know, and, and once I also started working, of course, at, at Figgins, I think he was thrilled about that, yeah. and, you know, he would come visit, we'd do wine tasting, and um, I think he saw it, I'm like, where I'm supposed to be, so. Cool. And so, you're doing everything there, you're the jack of all trades. Um who was the uh, who was their consulting winemaker? Who was a winemaker for those first couple of vintages? Yeah, so uh, Maria Vjilla was the winemaker for um, twenty eighteen vintage, mm -hmm. uh, 2019, 2020. and then um, I was her assistant twenty nineteen onwards. And uh, yeah, so we we started the wine program together, and then uh, she departed in twenty twenty one, and then the family chose to promote me, which was a, a pretty wild. I honestly didn't see that coming. Yeah. I thought for sure I'd be reporting to another winemaker or consultant, and uh, no, but uh, Jesus and Anna took that decision, and that was really an honor. So yeah, so obviously you build. They built a winery from the ground up. I love how you say you were just driving by, like, what's going on over there? <laughs> I love that. Um, well, I knew that they were coming, and I felt this urge to, like, apply, and then that building started going in, and I was like, okay, okay. I felt yeah. like it was, like, calling me every day, mm -hmm. like, come on, yeah. you need to go see. <laughs> um, so, obviously, they, they, you know, where were they getting the fruit for those early vintages for the wines? Yeah, um, mainly okay. Blue Mountain, Clipson okay. Vineyard, um, and then, couple other there was another vineyard on Red Mountain that I can't remember but and also Corliss's Red Mountain Vineyard um it's interesting Blue Mountain Vineyard Red Mountain Vineyard those are very creative names but the, that's kind of where we started and then um starting in 2018 then we started expanding more we brought on De Brule, which is an amazing vineyard for our Chardonnay program um, in the Yakima Valley um and then in 19 was kind of another explosion where it's like okay we've got Petit Bordeaux from Dionysus. We started working with, you know, Eventide. It was, uh, the vineyard was named something else at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that was our first vintage working with this site. Uh, but we brought in wine from the rocks, so Lafour, Stony Vine. Um, that's, I think, 2019 was when we really started to just grow the number of lots and number of skews. Mm -hmm. And so, what... I'm like... <coughs> Tell me about this wine. So, uh, Walla Walla Cab, yep. vintage 2020. Yep. Um, this wine, I think, is uh, it's a deeply <clears throat> personal wine, which is partly why I chose it, but also... Um, why is it deeply personal? So, this vineyard is... Uh, this is one of the vineyards... I remember I was in Sadie's truck, because okay. I went to go interview with her for the vineyard internship. And, you know, being a grower, she was super busy. And so she was like, let's move this to the truck. So we did a ride-along interview. And 
we then spent a couple, like we then spent a couple hours in this vineyard because they were planting it that day. So mm. I was there the day these vines were going in the ground, and then a couple months later, become her uh, summer intern. And you know that means, uh, uh, you know, personally replanting all the vines that didn't take, all the rotags, um, all the plants for the bio area, um, scouting, monitoring, pest control, all that. So. This is not the this is not the life of the winemaker we see on TV. Uh, setting gopher traps and yeah, like yeah, looking exactly. like GI Jane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I dressed like GI Jane. I'm not dressed like this. I dressed like I looked like GI Jane on a, a ATV every day. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was pretty wild. And also, like you will wear anything for shade, like no matter how humiliating the hat looks. I think Sadie has a couple like amazing blackmail photos of me and like these like huge canopy hats but it's like you'll do anything for shade so um yeah vineyard work is hard work and but it's uh so i this is my first vineyard that i took from vines in the ground to wine in a bottle and you only really get one first so it's like that's that's inherent in being first <laughs> numbers i guess yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> should we look up a definition of first? We should. First, to come before others. <laughs> Happens only once in our life. You only but, get but, one. but that's yeah. amazing. So, so this is, a, this is a 2020. The vines went in, what, 2017? 2016. 2016? So, in 2019 was the first year we worked with it. And, um, <sighs> you know, it was funny because at that point, I'd only been in the company for a couple months. And I remember Jesus asked me, he's like, you're familiar with Sabine? I was like, deeply. But, uh, you know, uh, he's like, what do you think, um, you know, this winery offered us uh, some Clone 4 Cabernet, or, or he didn't say the Clone, just like some cab from yeah. this vineyard. Do you know it? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, do you think we should take it? I was like, yeah. <laughs> Let's just, like, and it's young Cabernet. It's it is. That's what I'm saying. It's very young, but the yeah. flavors are full. It's it's um, it's got good structure. I'm just I'm I'm excited to see what this is going to be. Well, I probably won't be around. I'd be great to see what this is doing like in 30 years. Or it's something. it's a monster, and yeah. I think it was like also at the time, you know, the family was looking for sites that are going to have like that old world feeling, yeah, and that kind of intensity, the acidity. Um, and you know, I was thinking, oh man, that reminds me a lot of like the Serapodache cab that we worked with, you know, at Figgins family. And mm-hmm. so when they mentioned this vineyard, I was like, just trust me, it's going to be good. And I think that that wine, the 2019 Walla Walla Cab, is probably, I think, why, like, the family chose to promote me. I don't know. I'm sure there were, there was many, there were other reasons, mm-hmm. but in my heart, I feel like that wine had a lot to do with that. Like, if that you confidence. said, trust me, that, I mean, I'm some, when you said, you said, trust me, it's going to be good, <laughs> the fact that you were that confident, and then it turned out. Probably, fact, yeah, yeah, probably factored into it. It was like this like wild card was our favorite cab of the 2019 vintage, wow. like, without a doubt. And it was, um, I think also just that understanding that like I really, I, I know what they're looking for and it's the kind of wine that I want to make too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and like, and with that, like, yeah, Jesus is just an awesome partner to make wine with because I think we're just very aligned on like that vision. And even with something as crazy as, like, buying this vineyard, like, it was not good timing for us at all. We had mm-hmm. just digested, like, a pandemic <laughs> and expanding right. in Woodenville. And our own two estate vineyards are still in development. But um, this vineyard was previously owned by Betts, and I was having brunch with, Ooh, with yeah. their winemaker because we're, we're friends and we're discussing the fruit plan for the year. And he told me, he's like, hey, 
they're going to list it with this group, which means it's going to sell this year. Yeah. And I went straight to Jesus's office after that meeting and, you know, it was terrible timing, but he talked to this family and they agreed, we love this vineyard. We don't want to see it go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So Walla Walla Cab is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it must be nice to be able to write a check. <laughs> buy, a, buy, a, <laughs> buy me a vineyard. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I, I, I did make a joke. I was like, I promise I'll ask for less expensive toys. <laughs> <laughs> But it was worth it because it's it's just a vineyard. It's like it's a well. This at the end of the day, yeah. right? It's the grapes and the grapes. Mm-hmm. It's the site they're planted on. You got to start there, and then you know, obviously, you managing and everything. But like, you can't like to say like you, there's not gonna there's not gonna be more ocean, right? Like that's why no. coast. Like there's just so if something is there. This is really good. I can't believe it's like these vines are so young. They're so young. I can't believe it. And you know that whole ridge, and that doesn't have like yeah. that that thing young, young vines usually have. Mm-mm. No. No, and I think it's because it's such a windy area that you get concentration no matter what. Yeah. Ferguson is a vineyard on on the other draw at the top of the other slope, and um, that 2011 that best Bordeaux blend in the world uh, from Decanter that was third leaf. Ferguson, like third leaf Sabine fruit, has gotten accolades like that before. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think in even in 2019, is like we saw this is what it can do at fourth leaf. Like, what if we could get even better, like vine balance? And um, so, yeah, terrible timing maybe from like a business strategy point, but I think it was like some things are just too good to to, to let go and yeah. see go to somebody else. And um, but yeah, so it's a, it's a deeply personal wine. I think it was the it was the wine that you know one first great uh you know vineyard to bottle but then that first uh trust me yeah that first trust mm-hmm. me conversation mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah. you know that it's a that's a i'm i'm shocked that he said yeah okay let's do it <laughs> <laughs> but it worked out so you said something earlier and i wanted to talk a little bit about it uh wine making philosophy because you knew that you said when you said i knew this type of this was the type of wine i want to make what's your wine making philosophy oh ma'am i'm I like wines that have like a lot of tension, mm-hmm. that they're chewy, they're powerful, but they still are elegant. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think sometimes like there's that balance, right? Where when you're harvesting a little bit earlier, sometimes you get these wines are a little bit light and yeah. maybe a little under extracted. Mm-hmm. And then some wines are like really ripe and they're, they're so kind of like intense and in your face and they're really attention grabbing. But then on the palate, I feel like maybe they're, they're not really coming together with mm-hmm. the right synergy. So for me, it's like I want stuff that's like really expressive. I'm not afraid of powerful, chewy, like tannins, mm-hmm. like having that kind of substantive like palate. Um, but also just to have that kind of intensity and that 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 fresh length, which I think this wine does have in spades. It's just a you know full back back middle front palate integration. So especially in Cabernet, and I know I let down a lot of people when I say this because I think they want me to say something really cool like. Since so, but Cab's my favorite. Like, Cab's my Desert Island grape variety to make. Yeah. I love Since so, but anyway, I I digress. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. But I... I, I, The look of disappointment I get when I tell people, like, if you go on that one thing... You know, it's like, like, you might as well said Merlot back in 2004 after uh, freaking Sideways, Sideways, right? I know. Or Pinot Noir. It's tough news. Or worse, Chardonnay. 
<laughs> I still have people run away from me like I'm trying to hurt them when I try to pour Chardonnay, and I'm like, just drink it. I'm like, damn. People are so funny about it's, Chardonnay. It's just some fucking Chardonnay. It is so fucking. Oh, there you go. I said. I said. There, yes, we got her. Sweet. My goal uh, was less than twenty. Okay, I know, right? We talk. <laughs> your husband's also in the business. Yeah. What What's your husband's name? Tyler Dutton. Tyler Dutton. Where does Tyler Dutton work? So he's the assistant winemaker at Tranche. Okay. Uh, which is a part of the Corliss family yep. suite of brands. Okay. And how did you meet Tyler? Uh, <laughs> online. Uh, online, but oddly enough, the week he moved to Walla Walla. So uh, my, <laughs> he was... I, I was surprised he had time to even be on the apps, but he was on the apps. Um, so he... He's, he was a rambling man for a few years there. He was doing traveling harvests in the North and South Hemisphere. Okay. He found wine. Um, he got picked up hitchhiking in, I think, New Zealand. And he met these girls. I always ask these cute girls. But yeah. it was these cute girls that convinced him that harvest could be a fun job. It's like, you know. And he's like, you're cute. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. As like a broke hitchhiker. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Yeah. Cute girls and money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Tyler. Um <laughs> Anyways, he insists they're not cute, but I'm just going to say for the sake of the story, cute Let's, calls. I know, let's, that's, of course he's going to, what's he going to say? So then, they were hot. Yeah. Well, he gets bit by the bug, and he's just like, wow, this is awesome. Wow. And he didn't realize that he could basically travel the world making wine. Yeah. Um, so he did that for three years. He worked in New Zealand, then went to California, okay. then went to um, Australia, then did Willamette Valley, and then I think he went back to New Zealand and did a harvest at Tranche. Um, somewhere in there. Okay. You know, I flipped the lamb and walla walla. But so he was here in 2016. Okay. Um, oddly enough, we, we never met. I think we were both just busy working harvest. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, he really loved Tranche. And then in 2018, they had a full time opening. So he applied and he moved back to Walla Walla to take that job. So basically, when he decided to stop being a rambling man, take a full time permanent position somewhere, we met that week. And, um, <laughs> I remember at first, uh, we both said no to each other. That was... <laughs> on we finally talked about this, I think, like, a year or two into the relationship. Like, I think we, like, traveled together, like, right. internationally, and we're yeah. like, okay, so real talk. What happened? And, because uh, we saw each other on app and we're like, mm, I know your boss. This is kind of weird. Like, we're just too close. And then I saw him on a, on a different app, and I guess, and then we both said yes. And so we, we met and hit it off. We... Uh, met at Pasta Tempo for our first date at the bar, uh, which was uh, strategic. I was having most of my first dates there because I knew all my friends were the bartenders, so I could just peace out if I needed to, and they could call me for a credit card. <laughs> strategic. <laughs> but, um, you know, in case the date was just yeah, terrible, yeah, 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 and you're yeah, yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. oh, man, this guy's weird. i got to get out of here. So, anyways, luckily he wasn't weird. We talked for, like, four hours until wow. we basically closed the bar down, and um, we, yeah, so that was February 2018, and we've been dating... We're all now married, and um, yeah, time flies. Wow, time flies. Um, what's it like? Because you, we were. When did that show up? Oh yes, uh, and we're the pregame. Um, what's it like with your spouse both being winemakers and both in the business? Like, what's what's harvest like? It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy. It's uh, yeah. You know, I think this harvest, especially in the beginning, this harvest started, like, really fast and furious. And mm -hmm. there was four days where we literally didn't see each other. Wow. Like, um, we were just on different shifts. Like, I was getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go check the vineyards and, you know, going to sleep at 8. And he was doing 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. Wow. And, uh, 
Yeah, so there was like a four-day stretch where I was like, I think I have a husband. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and I, I'd say it's also a little crazy even outside of Harvest um, where, uh, you know, I, I do travel for work quite a bit. So yeah. I will say like... Do you, get, do you go to Spain? Uh, so I went to Spain last summer. Okay. Um, and, you know, so I, I left him with the dogs for like two weeks to go to Spain and visit the mothership. and uh, But I also do, you know, market work. And so I'm usually mm-hmm. gone... Um, like five or six days a month, but um, so yeah, I'm very thankful. I have a really, really awesome, you know, I have an awesome team at the winery, but I've, I've got an awesome team at home too. So yeah. Tyler's Tyler's awesome. So speaking of, um, you know, doing stuff, and you are um, in the Batinage Forum. Forum. Yeah. So the Batinage Forum is um, it's a mentorship. Program um, organized by the Batonage Forum that basically their whole focus is, I guess, empowerment and lifting up other women in wine. Mm-hmm. So I have, um, so I each year I have a couple mentees mm-hmm. and with different varying levels of experience in the industry, um, and they select who they want their mentor to be based on their area of focus and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with some of those, um, some of those have turned into more organic, I guess, uh, I guess less formal kind of relationships where I have a couple that we still continue to check in from, from time to time. And I, I love it when they call me and they're like, hey, I have a wage negotiation. Can we talk? And I'm like, yeah. Nice. Let's talk. Yeah. 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 Or like, hey, I'm, I want to ask for a title revision. You know, can we talk? And I'm, I really like that that forum has connected us and. I had um, I had women from all over the world, uh, Eastern Europe, um, Australia, uh, Argentina, so all just wanting to I guess just have kind of this system of a uh, network of people to talk to. Yeah, and with all I mean, <clears throat> you're a young winemaker. Um, what like why aren't you going? Why why are you now? Why what made you get involved with the washing? Why, what, 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 why did you you're the current chair of the WWCC Enology Viticulture Program Advisory Committee yeah uh, that that one was more just I think because it's personal it's it's for the program I graduated from okay. and so this advisory committee um, so yeah so we advise on curriculum and basically it's helping the program run helping students uh, it's funny it's like technically the definition of the committee is supposed to advise on curriculum but I feel like we do a lot more than that like when there's a student in need um, kind of ways to support students, but yeah. So I'm, I'm chair of the advisory committee, and um, yeah, it just kind of came about where um, you know Randy had held that position for a very long time. Mm-hmm. He's 83 years old, so he uh, has he stepped down from that position, and he asked me to to tag in. And I, was, <laughs> I was happy to. So some of y'all in Washington to, to take well, like me, that's pretty like what they do in Washington. <laughs> 83, bro. <laughs> yeah, I was like Randy's still running all these. Meetings. Taking all the agenda items and man, uh, that's awesome. But he's still he's still on the committee and actually he helps me out a lot because he's he's got way more wisdom. Sure, you yeah. can't you can't you can be as smart as you want, but wisdom just comes with experience and time. And then you're on the Washington State Wine Commission DEI task force yeah. and research subcommittee, so you're getting some research. Yeah, there. yeah, I'm finally getting scratch that research button. I know, I know. You, can't, <laughs> you can't take it out of me. Yeah. Like uh, I think it's uh, definitely research has definitely shaped who I am as a winemaker and but that's the best thing about wine is like 
knowing going into it from the jump, you cannot control all the variables. I think it's a very humbling and healthy mm-hmm. thing for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the Wine Commission, uh, I joined their Board of Commissioners uh, earlier this June. And um, yeah, it's just it's a tremendous honor. It's basically, it's a, it's a board of people from the industry who are there to advise the Wine Commission. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea is basically branding, marketing, expanding Washington wine. Mm-hmm. So whether that's facilitating um, visits from different wine writers, but also just um, getting Washington wine out into more of the international sphere. Mm-hmm. So, And a big part of that is then how do we make wine more accessible and actually engage more people with wine? Like how do we... I mean, wine has this kind of pretentious, stuffy. That's why I drink it. Yeah, (laughs) makes me feel better about myself. (laughs) Makes you feel important. (laughs) Yeah, makes you feel important. (laughs) But you know, it's. uh, I think wine has kind of like a pretentious problem because it's like um, no one goes, you know, they see like twelve beer taps of microbrews, and no one's like, oh, I have to know beer to order one. And But with wine, people are like, oh, I should know wine before I go and order it's that. It's funny you say that, though. No, I was I did an interview yesterday, same building. I was coming out, I had a bottle of wine. I'm in the elevator, and it was a woman, and, and she looked um, Latinx, we'll say. And um, she was looking at the bottle, I'm like, I'm like yeah, it's a local winery, um, you know. And she said, oh, I don't drink wine, I drink beer. I'm like, oh. I said, well, my, my buddy owns a craft brewery in New Jersey. I'm like, what's the best craft beer around? She goes... Yeah, I drink Modelo or Bud Light. Respect, though. Yeah. Respect but, for Modelo. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, or, or Corona. And I was like, oh, okay. I see the classics. But, so, yeah, I think it's a yes and for me. Like, yeah. beer people are just as pretentious yeah. and, because, you know, I'm reading these beer books and they're like, they're like, we need to make beer more inclusive, right? Like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so, but, so but, yeah. but, I understand what you're saying. Like, it, it does. Like, you, like... You, you do feel sophisticated with a glass of wine. Um, so we got a few minutes left before I let you go. I know you got to go. We got stuff to do. We got Grenache Fest. By the time I say Grenache will happen, I got Grenache Fest in a few hours. Um, I'm going to play my game. It's called Slap, Lick, Fondle. What happened to Fuck, Mary Kill? Oh. Uh, yeah, you know what happened to Fuck, Mary Kill? Uh, a large platform streaming platform decided to put a FMK wine edition on Instagram and one of my listeners was like MJ's been doing MJ didn't MJ bring this into wine so I was like screw you guys so yeah yeah you know. well and, and for the record and, I love I love what you do with that because it's like you know breaking that wine sphere and, yeah. and being and bring it into something like fuck Mary Kill. Yeah. It's like that's what yeah. we need. Yeah. That's what we need. And then yeah. the idea and this to is to that. this is getting it's because everybody's was so used to fuck Mary Kill, right? And then it came from coming. watching um I was watching Tosh two point like late the other day and, and he had a segment on the show he's like he's like I don't like uh, FMK anymore because you never fuck the person, you're not gonna kill anybody. So we're gonna do something with some real consequences. And so he had he was encouraged to call us so line friends so it was slap lick fondle. Ready? Slap three, three. And that's and that's what I also what I love about. It. I'm like, well, if you want to slap that ass, or the slap could be the killer. It could be like, you know what? I'm slapping it. So that's on you. Okay. And this is your your three grapes: Nebbiolo, Alianico, Sangiovese. So slap, lick, fondle. Yep. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, slap Alianico. Well, okay. On the ass, because it will slap back. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Fondle Sangio. Mm-hmm. 
Lick Nebbiolo. Okay. And last question. <laughs> That's good. It's so funny. It's, I love that. And I, I was like, actually, I like that. I was like, because licking a wine, like, I'm, I'm going to lick this glass. Um, what are you most excited about in the future or for the future? Be for yourself, could be for wine, could be for your dogs, could be having kids. I don't know. What are you most excited about? I think, like, for me, um, on, like, a broader scale, I think I'm just really excited about the momentum, I feel like, the Walla Walla Valley. Like, we've had really good momentum, but I feel like it's leveling up. And, you know, love, you see the levels up, like, <laughs> things like hosting Hospice to Rome next year. Yeah. Like, that's a level up, and I'm just super proud of my community for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then personally, you know... I'm just really looking forward to what this first year will look like as a board commissioner mm-hmm. and just kind of uh, listening and responding to more of kind of the issues that we have in our community on, on all different scales from small producers to large producers and just seeing, you know, what I can help and what I can bring to the table. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Debbie. Tell people where they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing. So the best way to find us is, you know, Valdemar Estates in Walla Walla. Um, but just come do a tasting sometime. Uh, better yet, join our club. Uh, that's a good way to get our wines and follow up what we're doing. But uh, we're in Walla Walla and in Woodenville, so come check us out. All right, and for all the listeners out there, don't forget to check out the show notes for each episode. I'll put links to their website. I'll put uh, their Instagram and her Instagram handle. Go give her a follow. Um, and also, I'll list the wine we drink. So until the next time, cheers to the Mavericks, philosophers, the deep thinkers, and all you wine drinkers. It's your boy MJ saying peace. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list.